My name is Lee Wright. I am the RUF campus minister at UCF. I'm going to begin by reading from Psalm 6. Um, so follow along with me, if you would. Psalm 6, we're going to read the entire song. So the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the Sheminith, a Psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of my foes. Depart from me, for you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray that you would be at work this morning uh, in this service, in this preaching of your word. I pray that you would um, that you would shape our hearts today. Uh, I pray that um, this message would be important to us now. I pray that you would give us uh, a sense of who you are and how you're shaping uh, our community, but particularly our hearts and our families. Uh, Lord, be at work now. I pray that your word would go forth. I pray that anything that I say that is not of you, that it would fall to the ground, that it would go uh, and be no more. Uh, Lord, help us as we walk along your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, my name is Lee Wright. I'm the RUF campus minister at UCF. RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship. Uh, we're a campus ministry of uh, the denomination that New City is a part of called the PCA. Uh, and I have the privilege uh, for the past six years to be serving uh, at UCF and to be loving on students, many of whom have come from places like Covenant and probably will come from uh, New City as well at, at some later point. Um, I have a family as well. My wife, Sarah, uh, and I have been married for 10 years and we have three beautiful children. Uh, they are probably running around while my wife is trying to, uh, in some way, watch this and find some order in the house. Um, I come to you bringing this word from Psalm 6, uh, in part because I think the Psalms are just such a great example for us as we uh, try to understand things in our own lives and hearts. Uh, the Psalms really like enable us uh, to dig into our heart motivation. Uh, and, and God is, is trying to shape our hearts through the Psalms. Uh, and it's especially important to hear from something like Psalm 6 in a crisis, like what we're experiencing. Uh, I would say that this is a Psalm for 2020. Uh, it's incredibly insane how things have changed, uh, how we are sheltering in place, how there is loneliness. Uh, you know, for two months, I haven't shaken hands with someone who isn't in my family or hugged someone who isn't in my, isn't in my immediately, immediate family. Uh, about five days ago, one of my best friends passed away. And there, is, there, there will be a memorial service at some point, but it's going to happen so much later uh, than me and the rest of my friends would want it to happen. And so there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of loss 
that's happening. And it has to linger uh, a lot of times for much longer than we want to. And in many ways, we can't imagine things getting worse. Uh, we've often, as Americans, look for the next thing that we can uh, look forward to. I'm a huge sports fan. I always look forward to the spring with baseball, uh, with the NBA playoffs. And at this point, that's all shut down. Um, and there's a, a sense where we as God's people can be sad about these things, that we can actually be mournful and lament and be sad. Psalm 6 is an individual lament. It's a lament that David is feeling, but the entire congregation of Israel is experiencing with him. And laments are really important in the scripture. They're all throughout God's word, uh, but particularly in, um, in, in the Psalms. And counselor John Cox really gives us a great picture of why we need lament. He, and he takes it all the way back uh, to the Garden of Eden when, if you remember, Adam and Eve sinned and they fell from God's perfect plan. Um, and there were curses that were given to them as well as the serpent. But they leave. They, they're actually forced out of the garden. And there's this, there, there's this line that, that um, this counselor, John Cox, says that I think is really important for us today. He says, God provided humanity with the gift of sadness. I don't know if many of us think of it that way. The gift of sadness because it's the only thing that could adequately deal with the brokenness of the world. He gives us the gift of sadness because it's really the only thing that can deal with things not being right. And we are enabled to mourn and to cry. So many times, even as I recount the stuff that's happened in my own life over the past uh, couple of months, I have feelings of sadness and I want to fix it. Uh, but through the word, through Psalm 6, we can recognize that there is goodness in lamenting, in crying, in being mournful. It's a very sad psalm. I'm not going to lie. But it also gives us a lot of hope to actually experience what we're feeling in the moment, to experience sadness. The sadness is lurking around the corner, and yet we can lean into it and be sad. So there's really three points that I want us to explore this morning. First, that we need to experience sadness. Secondly, that Jesus experienced sadness. And then third, that Jesus expires sadness. So first thing is that we need to experience sadness. Sadness is a typical part of living in the world. And Psalm 6 really gives us good bones to the flesh of, uh, of sadness. Psalm 6 is an individual lament. It, and God is really calling the entire congregation of God's people to sing together to the Lord for this one person's sadness. Uh, and there's more to come. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that means as God's people, although we're scattered right now in different homes and different places, uh, to sing to the Lord together. But verse one begins in kind of a curious manner. Uh, David says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. It sounds a little bit strange to talk about wrath and God's anger in this moment, but I love what the pastor uh, James Boyce says. He uses this example to talk about how pastorally, a lot of people, when they're dealing with difficult times, they're asking like, God, why are you doing this to me? He uses the example of children 
when your parents are divorcing, why is this happening, God? Why did I deserve this wrath? Or if your spouse left you, what did I do wrong? Uh, or the job that you love has ended or you've been furloughed from it. Lord, what, how, why has your wrath been poured out on me? Friendships having vanished. I could go on and on to talk about the different things that, that we could lose. That, that we could lose. Um, but often in the Christian world, maybe you haven't experienced this, and I hope you haven't, but one of the worst things that we as Christians can do is to tell people that it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Um, that is not a helpful thing, nor is it something that you even find in Scripture. In Scripture, we actually hear of God's people experiencing sadness, giving it to the Lord, really crying out to God because of how difficult and how weak and wounded we are as God's people. So Psalm 6 really gives us this beautiful, full picture of what sadness is. Uh, Verses 1 through 7 do an amazing job with that, but I want to read verses 6 and 7 for you. Um, David says this, he, he cries out, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. I love that picture. I mean, it, it, it's awful. It's sad because you just see him bawling his eyes out. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of my foes. David is experiencing this overwhelming feeling of sadness. Maybe he was able to continue with things during the day to run the kingdom. Maybe you're able to do that uh, when, when you are doing your, your daily life. Maybe while you're taking a walk in your neighborhood, you can keep it together. But when you come home, when you're in your bed, when you're on your couch, you just can't control the sadness. David is giving us a picture of what it is like to deal with this deep and dark sadness. He gives us allowance to be in dark places, to be sad, to actually have this true experience going on in your life and to not hold back from it. Um, My kids are really into Disney movies, as I'm sure many of you are. Uh, We live really close to Disney, and um, I love the movie Inside Out. Uh, Joy is the primary character, uh, and, and for many of us, right, we want to be joyful. It, it, by the way, Inside Out is a, is a movie about emotions, but it really features one person, uh, Riley, this little girl who lives in Minnesota and just has this, this charmed life. She has an amazing life, and she's happy. And so Joy shows up as the main character because her life is really great, um, but early on, we begin to see these other characters um, come in. And one of them is, is Sadness, the character called Sadness. Uh, we, we get to see how Sadness can be problematic early on when she comes to Joy and she says, remember the funny story about the dog dying? I can't adequately explain how weird that is because she says it in such a monotone voice. But, but, but that's not funny at all, right? Uh, sadness in many ways, it isn't something that we want to experience because it doesn't make us feel great. It's not funny uh, to, to talk about a story where a dog dies. And so joy appears to be the only necessary emotion for Riley. But then 
as with any great movie, something unexpected happens. And her family moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. And Joy uh, tries to look on the bright side of everything. But Riley's whole world has been taken away. She had this amazing house with a big backyard and she loved playing hockey in Minnesota. But now she's in San Francisco in a small apartment with her family. Her friends are gone. There's this great line that happens about halfway through the movie where Riley comes home and and she's speaking to her mom and she says, I know you don't want me to be, but I miss home. I miss Minnesota. You need me to be happy, but I want my old friends and my hockey team. I want to go home. Please don't be mad. It's a really beautiful picture of a child experiencing sadness. And again, it's a great help to us as we, as we look biblically to understand what does this mean? What does it mean for us to be sad? Um, so to think of it more on a personal level, I want, us, I want you to consider the ways that you um, are sad, even right now, the things that you are sad about, or maybe have a lack of sadness because things are just so overwhelming. Uh, because maybe you lost your job and you, you feel like you have to keep it together for everyone. And so sadness is something that we really need to dig into and study. In the same way, we as Christians are called to weep. We're called to weep with those who weep. We're given an example here with David of someone who is, is so overcome with sadness. And yet he is, the, he is the king of the entire kingdom of Israel. And so there there is this allowance for us to be sad, to weep, to express ourselves. I think we see, we often see this world as beautiful and broken, but often the broken part of it is out there, is the culture, is all of the, the disgusting and the bad things that aren't involved with the Christian church. But we need to recognize that there's brokenness inside of us, that brokenness affects us deeply and that we can grieve those things um, in deep ways. Psalm 6 is an incredible picture. I mentioned this earlier of the church coming together, of the church walking alongside when we hear someone like Riley, like David in this passage in Psalm 6, to come alongside them, to weep with them, to let them know that their, that their story is real and that they, ha- that, that they can express their emotions. Um, we, we, we must not just jump automatically to Jesus has conquered all of this for you. You are fine. We need to recognize that there um, is, is realness that is experienced in sadness, that there is goodness that is experienced in sadness. We as God's people need to mourn well together, not just allow that one person to mourn by themselves. We as God's people need to mourn together. So the second thing I want us to explore is that Jesus experienced sadness himself. As a Jewish man, Jesus would have sung all of these 150 Psalms, and many of them are laments. Many times Jesus is, it, it would be singing along with the other people in Israel. Very, very sad songs like we hear in, uh, in Psalm 6. And so there was already a, a sense of corporate sadness, uh, grieving together. Well, let's take a trip 
to the gospel of John. John eleven thirty five is the shortest verse in the Bible, and many of you probably know it, uh, but it's incredibly packed uh, with its meaning. Jesus comes to his friend uh, Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus has been dead and laid in the tomb, and when he sees the mourners and sees the tomb, and he takes a stop, and he, and he simply says these two words, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And we can easily just rush through that and say, oh, Jesus cried a little bit. Jesus cried one tear. Jesus was sad. Um, the next verse even indicates that the others around him recognize that he loved his, his friend, his brother, uh, Lazarus, so much. But a, a, a deeper look at it really shows that Jesus wept a lot. Uh, or if it's translated in our day, that Jesus ugly cried, that Jesus bawled his eyes out, that he spent time actually weeping over the, the effect of death on Lazarus, as well as the effect that that death had on God's people. Jesus was sad. Guys, Jesus was so sad that he was overcome with sadness Frederick Bruner in his John documentary or John commentary, he says this thing. He says, Jesus is not acting as though he is human. He is human. Jesus is a human being experiencing real human emotion because he is in a broken world. And to refer back to that John Cox quote, that is the appropriate reaction to living in a broken world. Jesus feels our pain. He knows our pain. He weeps. And the image of Psalm 6-6 couldn't be more visible here. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. Jesus is giving us a picture of what Psalm 6 is saying here. Um, if you want to look even deeper into the context here, Jesus is on the brink of going to the cross. He is about to pick up his cross and walk up a hill and be nailed to it. And then on the third day, he is about to be raised from the dead. Jesus knew that he was going to conquer death and sin in doing that and being raised again. But he still experiences sadness because he knows that not all of this will be taken away. That the sadness that you and I experience today is real um, and that it will continue until he comes back. And so if, if there's one thing that I want you to hear it is that Jesus is our example to grieve even when it looks ugly to others. Jesus is our example to grieve even when it looks ugly to others. One of the phrases that we repeat in RUF all the time is that it's okay to not be okay. Oftentimes in the world, and particularly in, in Christian culture, Christian uh, groups, there's a sense that you have to put on a good face, that you have to look really good. We talk about taking off your mask and being who you really are. Um, and so we cannot continue to live these fabled and fake lives. We need to be sad, even, even though we know that the end of the story is really good. So Psalm 6 is a great balm for a troubled heart. The psalmist David here is likely recounting the sad moment uh, from times past that he was able to experience. And he also recognizes at the end of the psalm, a hopefulness. 
Uh, and I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to just sit in sadness and think that that is it. Um, because in verses eight through 10, he really turns and he says, depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. One of the things I don't want you to hear in this, in reading that passage, is that there is something good that has to happen out of your suffering, out of your pain. Uh, that, is, that is an American adage, that there is some kind of silver lining that happens in this. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, as I mentioned earlier, and in the documentary, The Last Dance, uh, which features Michael Jordan and that 97-98 uh, Bulls team, uh, it's a 10-part documentary. The, the last two episodes are tonight, actually. Uh, but there is this moment where Michael Jordan, after his third championship in 1993, uh, his father is murdered, and it is a tragic murder. Um, and, and Jordan is, is obviously taken off guard because his father is his best friend. He is someone who he has walked along many stages of life. Even, even the media recognizes how big of a deal because James Jordan has been kind of at the center of, of Michael's life. Um, but what's so sad is that, is that Michael feels that, um, that he has to be strong for his family and for the nation. And so he, he, he essentially put on this facade of feeling like he was okay that things were going to be okay. Meanwhile, in the background, um, he, he was talking to people late at night uh, and mourning together with them. We don't have to act like things are okay. Even though we know the end of the story, even though we know that the Lord hears our prayers, even though we know that he accepts our prayers, that he hears us, that he is with us. Um, and so we need to turn now to understand like how it is that Jesus then expires our sadness. That's the third point today, that Jesus expires our sadness and it, and, and it culminates in the resurrection of, of Jesus. Culminates in the resurrection and then him coming back, him returning to us to provide that new city, him, him rising from the dead and conquering death. Uh, friends, even though you believe in Jesus, if you do, if you believe in the resurrection, the fact is that sadness still affects you. Darkness in the world is still there. Um, we have to face the fact that we are in this in-between stage, knowing that Jesus has come back and he, is, he, he uh, will eventually come back for us, but knowing that it has not yet come. But Revelation 21 really needs to be etched in our hearts as we experience a sadness knowing that that, that that sadness will expire. So let me read Revelation 21, verses one through four. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her, hus for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be to them, be with them as their God. And the verse four is so important. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes 
and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I love this picture. I want to give you one more picture of why this is so amazing, because Jesus doesn't just do a blanket slate. It's not as though he comes down and all of our all of our crying and weeping and our sadness is just evaporated. Actually, what John is getting at is this picture of Jesus individually wiping away every tear from your eyes, from all of those who have come before us, from those who have faced deep, dark sadness, from those who have faced incredible persecution. Everything that we, that, that we face, that we are mourning, that we are grieving, will be wiped away, particularly from Jesus. And then the last is that those, the former things have passed. They will be no more. We ultimately have that hope, knowing that there is an expiration date ahead for our sadness. And it actually gives us allowance now to experience sadness, to cry out to the Lord, how long Oh Lord, how much more of the sadness do we need to experience? And so we are given allowance to experience our sadness as individuals, as well as a community, uh, knowing that Jesus has, has paid the penalty for our sin, that he will finally come back and that he is coming back for us. As I said earlier, I have a friend that just passed away this week, a very close friend, and I mourn with him. Um, and, and the sadness that he, that, that the, the emptiness that is being left in this man leaving is gonna, is gonna affect me for a long time. There's no question. Uh, I'll be sad many, many times. Every time I go to Colorado, I will miss my friend, Mark. Um, but in, in many ways, I also have great hope in knowing that that sadness will be taken away and knowing that the cancer that he experienced um, is no more, that he is with Jesus, that he is with the Lord. Friends, experience sadness because it is something that our Lord is calling us to. It's something that Jesus did and it's something that we look forward to no longer having. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I pray that you uh, give us hope this morning. I thank you for um, your words today. I pray that we would um, leave here uh, knowing a greater truth about, um, about your goodness and your grace. Uh, also, Father, that we would uh, grow to know you. Um, Father, I pray that those who are sad, those who are weak and wounded would cry out to friends uh, knowing that they have people who, um, who love them and desire uh, their best. I pray that this would be an opportunity for this church um, and our, our Christian church globally to come together um, as people who are weak and wounded, but also know a good and loving Savior. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.